0: And welcome to Monday Mornings with Margie. We are uh, having our fourth episode today and I am privileged to have a special guest, um, Dr. Rebecca Knapp, who is a colleague uh, here at Achieve with me and also has become a friend uh, in the process. So um, I will let uh, Dr. Knapp share a little bit about herself.
1: I'm a child psychiatrist and also an adult psychiatrist. So I've had training in both and I have three different jobs. One is private practice. One is working in a residential school for kids with intellectual disabilities. And one is working for Achieve.
0: And we're very, very happy to have her here at Achieve. Um, So I asked Dr. Knapp to come on today to speak a little bit Uh, to people who may be listening to our podcast or watching us on YouTube um, about children. So some of our focus has been on uh, things that uh, adults can do. I mean, there are things kids can do as well, but it's been really more focused on the adult population. But I know a lot of you listening uh, have children And children are also being impacted during this uh, difficult and uncertain time. So I thought who better than a child psychiatrist, who I have a lot of respect for, uh, to come in and uh, speak a little bit to us about uh, what this might look like and what are some of the things we can do as parents. Um, I'm a parent of a 15 year old and 12 year old. Um, What we can do as parents to support our children during this time while well, we're going through our own processes uh, in the midst of it. So, I mean, talking about children, we, we were just speaking before this, it, You know, there's a wide range in age and developmental abilities, cognitive, emotional, social. So we're gonna try to keep this a little bit more gen- general and talk maybe in terms of latency age versus adolescence. In latency, we're looking somewhere between five, six years old to about 11 or 12. And then adolescence, you're looking somewhere around 12, 13 through 18 to really some kids probably could say 20, 21. Um, Each kid is different. So we're going to try to kind of talk a little bit. But again, you know, there are developmental phases for, you know, within these age groups. So the first thing I wanted to talk a little bit about is um, what are some of the things you anticipate or would uh, suggest that kids may be going through right now? We can talk first about latency, age, and then adolescence, and how that might reveal itself uh, within the home.
1: I, I'm, I'm, this is great that you're talking about this because so many people have been Thrust into this upside down world you, you know with with very little warning, very little time to prepare, and we're all just trying to figure this out as we go along. Um, I think for you know when I think about latency age kit well there's there are ways in which all kids are going through similar things, and then other ways, hey puppy, <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is Gronk, he's joining us. <laughs>
1: Maybe we can talk about how what dogs are going through. They they think (laughs) the pandemic is just awesome because we're home all the time with them. Um, But so so some of the things I think are are common no no matter what the age group is, and some are You know, some things are really specific to younger kids, um, and then and and older kids. But I think of uh, first off what what losses they're experiencing. Uh, Latency age kids are suddenly without their routine. They've lost contact with their peers. They've lost contact with their teachers. Um, They've lost control of their lives. Uh, So I think the losses are really huge. Um, I think they are stressed by the changes that they've been thrust into. And they're also likely very sensitive to the stress that their caregivers are going through as well. Young kids tend to be like sponges that soak up the emotions of the adults around them. Um, And there's also a lot of stress from just the unknowns of this virus and how it's playing out, how long it's going to be going on. Um, we don't have good answers for a lot of the things that they're wondering about. Um, So I think of loss, I think of stress, and I also think of fatigue and boredom that can come from being stuck indoors and and not being able to do the kinds of activities that they're used to doing. Mm -hmm. Going out and playing in the neighborhood or participating in extracurricular activities yeah. you know th- those those um those are losses that lead to boredom boredom from just being stuck inside staring at the same four walls um so you know those those are i think some of the experiences that kids may be happening i think um for adolescents uh the loss of their peer group and the contact that they have. They're all about their friends and their lives are really revolving around their social life. And, um, to suddenly be told you can't see your friends is a huge stress for them.
0: Yep. Okay. Yeah. When I was thinking, you know, about some of the things that people may be seeing, um, you know, clearly one of the things kids wanna do right now is be on electronics. And they're having more of an opportunity because a lot of kids are doing schoolwork right now on computers or iPads or, or so forth. And so, um, but there's also another way that it can serve and some of it is okay and some of it's not. Yeah. And I think of where it's okay is sometimes we do need distractions. So if you are feeling all the things you're talking about, loss and grief and stress and boredom, and you have nothing to distract yourself with, um, those things can sort of bubble over. Um, But so that way, you know, having some limited time with electronics and maybe some social media for older kids, so they stay connected and engaged with their peers that they can't be hanging out with right now. The negative side is it can be somewhat addictive and kids could want to spend all day on it and having to find ways of also limiting it and, um, and giving them opportunity to do other things um, can be helpful.
1: Yeah, I, I think especially for adolescents, um, lightening up a little bit on the restrictions on screen time is is probably going to be important because that's the main way they're going to they're going to uh, remain in contact with their friends mm-hmm. um, I think another um, benefit besides the um, uh, contact with with friends is that uh, th- there's a there's a lot of st- stuff being put out there now about how other people are coping in the midst of this crisis. And I think it's, it is a way for um, sort of cross pollination where we can learn from each other. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's one of the hidden benefits is that we now have access, not just to the people that we tended to interact with in person, but now we've got access to all kinds of people in all kinds of places and can get ideas and, um, thoughts and, you know, um, strategies from them as well.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Um, you know, I think about what what does stress do to a, a younger kid, and I, th- I think it's helpful to know that the, the most common response to stress in a latency-age kid is regression. That's a normal response to stress. So if we see our kids taking a step backwards developmentally um, shouldn't be alarmed. That should be almost expected if they're not sleeping through the night, if they're having accidents when they were completely toilet trained, um, if they're more irritable than they used to be. Um, Those are all things that that we might expect. And and for our adolescent kids, they're probably going to be more surly and angrier and more defiant, you know, um, hearing a lot from parents about their kids just insisting that they see their friends and, and getting into battles over whether they're going to go out and meet with their friends or not. And sure. those, those battles can get pretty heated sometimes.
0: Yeah. What, one of the things I was thinking about, and as a parent myself, you know, I've been, uh, you know, trying to figure out what the best option is, but the, the concept of honesty versus sheltering your child. And, and how much do you share? And how much do you shelter in this time? Because both can increase anxiety. If you are too honest about everything, that can increase anxiety. And if you shelter too much and kids know you're not being totally honest, that can create anxiety because then they start to, you know, imagine all types of things. Right. So what do you, what's your suggestion? Um, and obviously age appropriate, um, what's your suggestion for people around sort of that, that dilemma?
1: I think the most important thing is to follow your child's lead. They will tell you from the questions that they're asking, what they're ready to hear, what they need to hear in order to feel, comfortable with what's happening around them. And sometimes what, if if you have, uh, you know, kids across the spectrum of, of different ages, sometimes you need to have private conversations with the teenagers who may have a different set of questions and are ready to hear things that could be distressing to a younger kid. Um, but I think following their lead is the most important thing. They'll let you know from the questions that they ask, what they're ready to hear. And I think you need to meet them where they are and be totally honest with those, with those questions. Right.
0: And sometimes it's also um, understanding that your children may not be direct with you. Sometimes they may say things or write things that um, they may act sarcastic or joking or so forth, but they're also trying to let you know uh, in their own way. So they're not always just straight out. uh, A lot of kids are not. Um, So it's also just being aware because we're in our own stress, right, and anxiety. That's so true. Yeah, so sometimes you may miss things because you're kind of managing your own
1: feelings. Right, and I think we have to do whatever we can to manage our own anxiety about what's going on before we can be comfortable in helping our kids manage their own anxiety about what's going on. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, that I think gets back to some of what you've already covered in other episodes of right. self-care. Mm-hmm. You know, we have to, like they say on the plane, you know, put the oxygen mask on yourself first. <laughs> before- <laughs> You can attend to your kids. Absolutely. Um,
0: That's a good, that's a good example. (laughs) Yeah. So if, if you were a parent at home, is there, you know, there are a lot of normal aspects like you were talking about regression and latency age children, but I guess my question for you is if you're a parent at home, when would you be concerned? When do you feel like my child's response maybe beyond kind of the normal spectrum of, uh, of um, a reaction to stress and grief and so forth.
1: I think about this in two different ways. One is our basic things like sleep and eating starting to break down. If your child is so anxious about what's happening that they're not able to sleep, um, they're not able to eat. Those are good good examples of things having crossed the line into into more significant issues um, in managing things. The other thing I look for is is are they are they able to process what they're worried about enough so that they can continue to function. Mm -hmm. Are they still able to do their online schooling? Are they still able to participate in activities within the family? Uh, If their functioning starts to break down, then I start to worry that, that things have escalated to a point where they might need some help.
0: Sure. And I'm thinking also about kids or adolescents that are already in some form of treatment. They already have a therapist um, or they're taking medication. How important it is during this time to make sure as a parent that you're following through with their appointments, many of which now are done through telehealth. This isn't the time to be pulling them away from it. This is the time when they need it sort of more than ever.
1: Right, right. And Everybody I know in the field at this point has switched over to telehealth and has been able to maintain contact with their clients.
0: That's great. So I guess my final question would be, what are some of the things that you would suggest for parents um, around things they could help their kids with or suggestions that you may have uh, for them for things their kids can do to help reduce stress or anxiety, um, help their mood. All of those, all of those things right now that parents are dealing with.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a really good question. You know, I think um, I keep having this phrase that go going through my mind. It's a variant of what's good for the goose is. What's good for the gander? In this case, what's good for the goose is good for the gosling. <laughs> um, right, right, right. And, and vice versa. So, what's good for the kids is often what's good for us. So, one of the things that's really broken down for everybody is just a, a normal routine. Mm-hmm. That's just been blown out of the water. So, figuring out, especially for younger kids, they're used to having a very structured day, a very predictable mm-hmm. schedule, trying to reconstruct that as best we can. Um, in our own homes, maybe having a, a dry erase board that has the activities and the times that things are going to happen for the day, mm-hmm. making sure that there 's downtime so that they can run around and play and rest um, so having you know having some kind of a, a schedule uh, a place in the house maybe where education and work takes place, and then some other part of the house that play and downtime can happen Mm -hmm. um i i think um you know it's never going to be easy or perfect until until life goes back to some semblance of what it was before but um you know the other thing is i think we all have to cut ourselves a lot of slack i think it's important for parents to just know that they 're going to be having some not so proud parenting moments through all this stress. I had a woman I had a, a single parent call me when the governor announced that the schools were going to remain closed for the rest of the school year. She was in tears mm-hmm. she 's a single mother of three kids, two are latency age. one is a teenager she 's trying to work from home. Yeah. It's just really, really hard to yeah, keep all, you know, all of a sudden she's doing the work of about four different adults.
0: Sure. And sure.
1: So it's never going to be perfect. And, and we can be so tough on ourselves mm-hmm. for not being good enough parents. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think we have to just cut some slack for ourselves and, and wow. say, we're doing the best we can. And that's okay. There's a, uh, Theorist that we studied when I was in training named, DW Winnicott, mm-hmm. who is a British pediatrician and psych, a child psychologist mm-hmm. um, who had this concept that has been so helpful to me, not just as a child psychiatrist, but also as a mother. Uh, it's the concept of the good enough mother, mm-hmm. um, which I expand to good enough parent or good enough caregiver. Sure, but sure. if you're, it, you know, if you're, attending most of the time to your child's needs and are good enough most of the time, your kids are going to be fine. Mm-hmm. And, and so the times that you fall down or that you lose your temper or, you know, mess up in one way or another, not only is it okay, but kids need to know that it's all right when they screw up or when they have They're not proud moments, you know, that's how we learn. That's how it's it's what life is all about. So Mm -hmm. I think that's really important as well.
0: It's a very good point. Um, And I think that the more we model being able to own when we have our not so proud moments with our children also allows them, like you said, when they make mistakes to then feel like they can own it themselves and it's an okay process. Right, right. One of the other things I was thinking about, too, with kids, and, you know, we can wrap up after this, but I was thinking about physical activity and the lack of physical activity for all of us, whether you're working from home, you're teaching your children from home, um, and, you know, really the importance of making sure not only yourself, but that your children, are getting some form of physical activity. It doesn't have to be, you know, running in circles around the house, but getting out for a walk or having them do things. I would, I would assume you're on
1: board with that. With Absolutely, I think at least once a day, if not more. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we all have to be looking for silver linings in this crisis. Mm-hmm. And one of them is having more opportunities to do things with your kids. Sure. Um, when you have that downtime um, and getting outside to walk or to throw a ball around or a Frisbee or something to just get out and, and get some fresh air and some and some exercise, I think is is really critical. You know, it's great for our physical health, but it's also really great for our, our mental health. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, you know, there are things that... In our previous life, I think we all wished we had more time for. Mm-hmm. And now we have more time. <laughs> <for some laughs> we,
0: can't, we have no excuse. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, if there if there are things that we've wished we had more time to do, like cooking with our kids or doing art projects or um, physical activities or board games or w- whatever, um, these are things that, that might – actually make us feel a little better about all the changes that we're having to deal with right now.
0: Absolutely.
1: Well, thank you for your time. I know You're you have so a lot welcome. on your plate.
0: <laughs> so I appreciate you taking time to do this with me. Um and I will say uh thank you to all of our listeners and I hope that you have a great week and be well.